Good morning, all. Has it really been only two weeks since I was last on the air? Today, what I wanted to do is I've been following a lot of the issues in the county to try to um, put together a packet of what's been going on. I'm not going to have a guest today. It's going to be me trying to get you informed about some of the critical issues that are going on in Mendocino County and taking your calls and concerns about the topics Um that I'm going to bring up. Um, I do know that the people I've interviewed, the supervisors, Brent Blazer, the sheriff and all them, do check in to hear what you, the community, are saying. And that's what I want to do. I want to give a, um, today give everybody a forum to try to get that information of concerns to our elected officials and so they know how, how we're dealing with it. Um, the first thing I wanted to say, a good friend of mine gave me this saying, um, yesterday and I want to use it. Voltaire says, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. I think we need to all hold that. I know I need to hold that a lot of times when it comes to deal with these critical issues we're dealing with in our times. So one of the big things that happened last week was there was a fire. There was an outbreak of a fire in Redwood Valley. They called it the broiler fire. Uh, luckily, not luckily, it didn't spread very far. Unfortunately, it did take out three homes. Uh, one of a woman who works for the Sheriff's Department, who I've dealt with for years, uh, uh, Louise Phillips, her and her family lost their house, her and her husband Jerry, which is really sad. There is a GoFundMe site, if anybody is encouraged to do that. Another family that I don't know, it's the Arguin, A-R-R-E-G-U-I-N, family they also lost their house and there's a good gofundme site for that just to get that out in case you want to do because you know we all pull together as a community so i checked in with the sheriff after this event and i checked in with brent blazer who is the emergency service gentleman i'd had on uh i think in may when they did the um next the big alert they did the you know the phones and all that the emergency alert so i checked in with both of them to see how this event went it's been the first one that kind of triggered all that the processes they had put in place um one of the processes they had one of the you know sites they put together was mendoready.org and that was where there was going to be maps of evacuation tell you where you know centers were to take animals where you needed to go if you need to evacuate and all of that so i wanted to check in to see how the system worked what they learned and all of that he said basically what happened with this is it was contained within oh i think it was contained within two hours so it was they got the website and the map up but it did take some time because he said it was across different zones so they had to go in and actually physically work it to get it up on that site to be targeted where that fire was um but they also initiated uh, places for people to be, opened up the fairgrounds in Ukiah. They opened up the animal shelter for people to evacuate their animals to. They really kicked in with getting places for people to go. The sheriff put out, I think, six or seven text alerts on Facebook to people, or to on Facebook anyway. Um, so things kicked into gear. It was a short event. It did not expand like it potentially could have which was thank thank you you know who are watching down on us um the the thing that happened that brent said blazer was that 
actually nobody needed to take advantage of either the animal shelter being um you know, retrofitted or open to them, and nobody took advantage of the um, evacuation at the fairgrounds. So uh, that was interesting. But it was kind of a, I want to say dry run, but it was their first main event where that triggered a lot of this. Now, there has been uh, some discussion on Facebook about who got notified on their little smartphone things and who didn't, why you didn't, and why you should have, and all of that. Um, there are several different systems that give the alert, is what Brent was telling me, and they're still all trying to figure that out, and what, how far out from the initial fire do you actually notify somebody? You don't want to put out a whole county alert when it's just localized around the broiler in Redwood Valley. So that seems to be some of the issue when they're narrowing that in. Um, So one of the things I asked him is, so say somebody thought they should have got notified or they have concerns that they didn't get notified and all of that, because I can't answer those questions. He went on, (laughs) he knows all the different systems, folks, and he tried to explain them to me. It's way beyond my um, nerd capability. Um, But what he did say is, is here is an avenue. If you're concerned about not knowing what to do, getting in the loop for all these notifications, he's asking that you take the time to email him. And don't call because they don't have the staffing for the calls. They just don't. But if you email him, he does have the ability to get back to you and engage you and talk to you and and talk about your issues. So his email site would be OES at mendocinocounty.org oes at mendocinocounty.org all right so that's what brent said so it was a limited situation but we made it through it and well three or four some houses didn't make it through it unfortunately but it wasn't a major catastrophe so the sheriff i talked to the sheriff i talked to matt kendall i said how did it go he said well it was hectic because first of all there was an actual accident just before the whole scene um, on 101, who knows if it was looky-loos, people stopping, whatever. He said, you know, people just have to be really careful when they're on the freeways or when they're around these fires, because if you get an accident, there you go. That takes all emergency services and distracts resources from the fire. So that was a that was an issue for him. The other issue he said that they had a hard time with was that People were freaking out, and they were calling his dispatchers to find out where should I go, where's it at, what streets it on, blah, 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 which totally ties up his dispatch units. He doesn't have many people working the dispatch to, for non, with, for, for issues that otherwise that would be emergency. So, yeah, it, that's some of the kinks we have to work out. How do we get all notified? I remember we all had phone trees and we didn't have all this high-tech fancy phone stuff. So those are the things we all need to be concerned about. You know, get a hold of your neighbors, maybe do a phone tree, go outside and see if you can see where the smoke is. Um, But taking um, and calling the dispatch or calling 911 if it's just around the fire and not an emergency situation does take up the staff time and it can cause a lot of problems is what he said. So yeah, there you go. That's with the fire. That's what I learned about when I talked to that. Um, 
Again, I'm Karen Audubonny. We're going to do some open lines. I'm going to give you the number to call in on if you'd like to get involved or want to talk about uh, some of these issues about the fire. Um, then I'm going to go on to water and drought because we had a drought meeting. So if you want to call in, it's 489 489- Four, excuse me, eight nine five two four four eight, eight nine five two four four eight, and since I was last on the air, there was a drought meeting. There was a board of supervisors. It was the Mendocino County Drought Task Force meeting, is what it was. Uh, it was very informative. This was after I had gone to the meeting in Boonville with uh, Supervisors Ted Williams, who is the new head of the water agency they put together. Uh, they went on to different uh, localities. They went to Mendocino. They went to Fort Bragg. They went to Willett. So this was uh, a task force meeting that was actually broadcast. You can go on YouTube and pull these down. If you go into YouTube and just punch in Mendocino County drought, Mendocino County supervisors, you get all these, um, you can get all these YouTube uh, meetings, which is actually really great because I'm out in the hills. Anyway, that task force meeting for the drought was on July the 8th. Um, and they pretty much summarized what they had learned and what they're working on with uh, this uh, water agency and what they're what they learned and what they learned is that we got some major water problems i think we all know sarah wright who summarized yesterday's meeting at the board of supervisors did a really good job talking about the issue that came up and how it is there's um a lot going on unfortunately it's a critical issue now and a lot of the things that can that need to be done to resolve this water crisis are, is not something you could just, you know, do like next week. Um, it seems like the biggest issue for right now is the coast, Mendocino Coast, Mendocino uh, and Fort Bragg, as you heard from the news. Um, so Mendocino trucks their water. A lot of their people are trucking their water in from Fort Bragg. And Fort Bragg is uh, already in a second alert, second stage alert for water usage. And they're talking about having to go to stage three within maybe a week, maybe less, you know, a week to two weeks, maybe less. Um, and then another issue that she didn't get to cover that came up is that the Noyo River, which is the source, one of the sources for the Fort Bragg water system, had recently been dammed up by a pre-existing uh, right-of-way, I guess. Okay, nobody nobody checked it out. There's a Camp Noyo, which I know nothing about, uh, that gets to dam up the Noe River, Noyo River, this time of year to make a lake for their camp. This used to happen up at Benbow, but that's another story. Um, so they, as they always do, went in and dammed up the river for their lake, for their camp, and Fort Bragg pulls their water. So that's happening. Okay, and so a lot of the discussion yesterday is what happens if you, how do we get water to Fort Bragg because it, it's a trickle-down effect in that the water gets trucked from Fort Bragg to the town of Mendocino. So that that's a really hot issue of where are they going to get their water. Um, something that's in discussion that came up that just got dis started, the discussion just started within the last three weeks, I would imagine, maybe less, is using the skunk train. 
they're going to truck in water from Willits is the idea that they could truck in between a hundred and a hundred and fifty thousand gallons. Um, I think it was a day. I mean, I don't know. It's a lot of that's a lot of that's a lot of weight on the tracks. But that's not going to happen next week. That's not going to happen in two weeks. They don't know where they'd actually get the water. They're trying to negotiate where they might get the water out of Willits. Is Willits willing to do that? Because Willits seems to be okay with their water sources. They're kind of in a marshy area there that I remember. Um, So that's what they're talking about doing, but that's not something that's going to happen right away. So that was, uh, there's, there's that issue. Um, I think Fort Bragg, uh, people, if you're in Fort Bragg and listening, I'd really dial back on your usage. Uh, what they're talking about is um, 50 gallons per person per day is what they would project in a drought situation when you're restricted back. It'd be the minimum, I don't know, minimum, maximum you could use. So they worked up the numbers for that. And in order to do that, that would mean... 50 gallons per day per person if you had to pay for that trucked in. So say you have to have that trucked in. You're off the main public system up in Fort Bragg. Um, That would be $530 a month. And even if you are in the public system and they are going to have to truck it in, they're going to have to charge the users. So that is going to mean that if you have local water up there, your uh, monthly tab potentially goes up. Unless they can get government funding because of the drought they're looking at, the state has got a pool of money that they're going to be hopefully distributing to the counties to help them in the drought situation. So the Josh Metz is also looking at maybe getting some state money for any situation where they'd be have to be trucking it in. Um, but again, the the tracks, the weight, getting the, um, I don't know, the railroad units to haul the water is a whole other thing. Uh, the interesting part that I learned was that the, the reason they could do this, everybody says, oh, there's a tunnel that's blown out. That's true. The tunnel is still blown out and not fixed up at the skunk train. But where the water would be taken off to feed into the Fort Bragg system is on the other side, the Willett side of where the um, tunnel is. So they would be able to truck it to the site, run a line, I guess, to where their storage is for Fort Bragg, thereby also pushing it through their um, filtering system, disinfecting systems. So it wouldn't have to be like necessarily truly high-end potable water coming in because they have a whole water treatment system up there that it would go through first. And then they could truck it to Mendocino. Yeah. And then out of that, the very uh, minor part of the discussion, which we really don't hope it gets to this, is um, they were talking about bringing water in through Noyo Harbor. And uh, I just have to say, I've been around the county long enough. <laughs> it's, it's not a joking matter, but back in the 90s, there was a gentleman that came down from Alaska, and he wanted to capture water in big, like, uh, bags off the coast of the Navarro and the Guadalajara River and truck them to San Diego on the ocean. I remember when that was a big blow-up and discussion here in the county. And now we're at a time where we're talking about trucking it to Noyo Harbor. 
So, uh, just get everybody up to speed. You can't do that because uh, the width of the harbor, the depth of the harbor. So, at the very most they could do is maybe bring in bottled water to Fort Bragg through Noria Harbor. This is what we're talking about is trucking in bottling water. It's just scary. So, um, the phone was ringing, 895-2448. If you want to talk about these topics and get involved and get... uh, get some information out um the other thing i've been talking let me see if i can this little caller on this morning good morning caller you're on the air good morning darren thank you for your show and i'm calling about the broiler fire yes uh choose places two items that people might be interested in which address the fire and what brought it about are from Adam Gaska, G-A-S-K-A, and from Ruthie King. You can find those things various places online. But specifically what I'm calling about right now is Glenn McCordy is the supervisor of this district where the broiler fire took place. He has lost a lot of support in this district because of what's been going on with the marijuana, the cannabis ordinance. Leaving that aside, I have lost all respect for him. He has not, to my knowledge, addressed his community with regard to the broiler fire. I'm not asking that he address the cause or the responsibility, or anything else. He has not spoken to his community to acknowledge that something significant took place here. And I would think that that would be something that a responsible supervisor would do. Well, I'm I'm sure he'll be listening in, and he may will take that to heart. I do know that last well, week they had a big meeting in Redwood Valley about the ordinance. Uh, we're talking about the cannabis ordinance. I I was I'm assuming he was at that, but yes, that's, that's unrelated. Yeah. What I'm talking about is for the fire. There's a fire yeah. in this yeah. community. The supervisor of this district has not spoken to that matter publicly. All right. Well, we'll get the message and to him. It should have been done. All right. Thank you. Uh huh. Um, yes. Let me just back up because she did raise the topic of the broiler fire. They did find the origin of it. It was caused by uh, somebody mowing a lawn. I don't know if it was a tractor mower, but it was a metal mower at two thirty in the afternoon with when it was uh, at least a hundred and low low humidity. So that was the other thing that the sheriff and Brent Blazer mentioned to me that the 97% of these fires that we've been experiencing and in the past and now, right now, are human caused. Okay? So that's why we need to be very on a high alert for no mowing and meddling with metal and all of that maybe a little bit of weed eating and i gotta tell you i have a fire extinguisher in every one of my vehicles on every one of my pieces of equipment anything that is out and about in high grass or even close to grass has a fire extinguisher with it so 
97% of these fires are caused by humans. And get your, it's a little bit late to be doing your dispensable, defensible space, but um, we've all been, you know, trying to stay on top of it. So right now, just be careful with anything that's fire or can make a spark. All right, 895-2448. I'm Karen Audubonny. We're going to have open lines. We're talking about the various water issues that are going on. I've been in a little bit of a, what happened at the Board of Supervisors yesterday. Um, yesterday, um, so the water situation, let's get back. So that's the situation in Fort Bragg that we were talking about. Um, if they have to bring in water, no matter what, it's going to raise the cost to the people that are um, in part of that system, the public system, all right? So they are talking about, the supervisors are talking about seeing about getting some state money so they can help people who who can afford $500 a month on water. So that would be some relief for the owner, homeowners and the residents who get the water off of that system. Um, so they're talking about the state funding. Um, that so that would have to do that then and they'd have to the interesting part about that is you get the state money which is really really great it goes to the supervisors and then somehow the supervisors have to um have to uh, monitor that money figure out how to distribute it to the city residents of fort bragg and the whole trickle down effect of the money coming from the state as we've seen with the pg e money as we've seen with the covid money the bureau the bureaucratic bureaucratic um, management of this money really does become cumbersome and cumbersome and time consuming i have to tell you we still don't have the release of the uh, pg&e money that's a whole nother topic um let me get this caller on the air though good morning caller you're on the air caller you're on the air Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, hi. I was just wondering if um, the dam uh, across the Noyo River yes. uh, could be um, a, a pipe could really run through it, and um, uh, the um, uh, as much of the, you know, maybe a minimum amount of water uh, could be used or uh, enough to get by and to leave a, uh, whatever's left over for the campground. I mean, I think uh, everybody has to realize that we have to work together. And the, the people who go to that campground, of course, really want to be uh, with and in the uh, the river. But uh, first things come first. If you're talking about bottling water, I know. where you have a whole little lake, that's just being used for recreational purposes. Wouldn't it make sense to uh, run a pipe through that dam and use as much as we needed and uh, leave what's left over for the campers? Well, what happened here is, and I will say that this is a pre-existing uh, right-of-way or something. They've got a permit to do it, and there's two different agencies that control that. One of them is Fish and Game, and another one's a water agency. So the city of Fort Bragg is obviously going to those agencies and saying what's up how can this happen in the middle of a drought when you've pulled back everything from everybody all the rivers you know and all of this so 
Where I question what happened is the people that own the camp, why do you wait till this time of the year to dam it up when the flow is so minimal? And I agree. Um, it was, in my humble opinion, it was totally irresponsible. And um, But the agencies will deal with it. But this, it's, it's a critical issue now. And I think, yeah, people just have to be more sensible about what they're doing. It's the same way with seeing going along and seeing people watering lawns. I mean, and golf courses. I am sorry. But there, we just need to be more water conscious but thanks for the thanks for the comment okay bye yeah so that's what's happening over there yeah we um yeah i am getting real frustrated watching walking around or driving around and seeing not that i'm out that much but seeing green lawns and that kind of thing i heard on uh the open lines monday night that people were talking about garden hoses that are left on and just capped at the end of the hose exploding and running that's another thing people need to be aware of i mean we just really totally need to be water conscious so fort bragg is on top of that water system situation with that but it still means everything is so low it still means we're all going to need to cut back and in many ways. Um, so one of the other things came up is talking about de- developing different sources. Uh, there may be a source of water to Little River Airport, which is interesting. So let me get another caller on. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Hi, I'm calling to talk about water and theft. There oh. are two issues about water and theft. Okay. Uh, one is the cannabis issue where... Courtney and the other supervisors, except for John Hathcheck, have approved the cannabis ordinance. There's a referendum petition going around to put it on the November ballot for the people to vote to see whether they want to give away their water to the multinational cannabis growers with the expansion of the acreage allowance. That's number one. And number two is I live in Willis, uh, downtown, and it seems like um, there are personal water thefts from the Mormon Church and the Church of the Redwoods. Uh, people come up in the middle of the night with water tanks on trucks and put hoses on the outhouses and steal water. My friend. New Brook Trail uh, sold her house and was in a new house, so the house was vacant before the new owners moved in. And they had 9,000 gallons of water stolen one night with a water bill for $600 that they had to pay. Also, another person on, uh, in downtown had water stolen and got a $500 water bill. Okay, you got you have a really bad phone connection, so I, I got the gist of it, but um, I'm going to talk about it. Thanks for calling in. Did you have anything else you Just can... Just alert people to the... Yeah, we'll do that. You can buy we'll a for your closet at Mendo Mill. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, yes, folks, uh, this is going to become an issue. Uh, downtown Boonville, we have the fairgrounds. I don't know if people know about that. They have a parking area, which has a lot of hose bibs, outlets. Uh, I actually, you know, talked to the fair board people to say we need to lock these things down. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's the sad 
sad side of being in a drought and not having a lot of water available. Uh, that's pretty scary about getting the water taken out of brick trails and then the uh, resident getting charged. I had not heard about that. I had heard about theft up in Laytonville, uh, but that was last year and passed. So um, there you go. Let me see if I get another caller on 895-2448. You're listening to KZYX and KZYZ. I'm Karen Audubonny. We're kind of doing kind of an update on things that are happening in the county and getting your input and your concerns out there to folks. Hang on. Caller, you're on the air. Ah, good morning, Karen. Thanks for the show. Yeah, what's up? Well, I'd like to talk a little bit more about uh, the fires, especially around Redwood Valley. Uh, just a few weeks before the one that we had uh, last Wednesday, I believe, uh, you know, there was a one in Black Bart Trail. Yes. It seems like out, out here in Redwood Valley, boy, we're really dodging bullets like Matrix style. Um, and I'd, I'd like to leave some of the listeners with a little bit more education about what's going on with, um, um, you know, just around how everything is so dry. Just a couple reminders. Um, obviously, if you're going to mow, try to do it in the morning. Um, remove the rocks if you can, possibly. Um, I keep a one-gallon pump sprayer with a little soapy water in it. Uh, on my riding mower whenever I'm using it. Um, I haven't used it for a month now, but uh, most of the fires are usually, you know, almost stompable out with your foot. It's just uh, with your feet or, or, you know, a wet towel. It's just keeping that, that close by. And and so um, on, I think the last uh, show uh, that was about fire was Scott Craddy, and, you know, that, that the hyper sensitivity uh can be calmed down with uh with being a little more precautious and having some education about some things so uh one gallon pump sprayer with a little soapy water the soap helps to stick uh to whatever it is that's really dry or on fire just have that handy um cutting grinding and welding is can be another issue even if you are in your garage the sparks can fly kind of far um, obviously your chainsaw is another one you want to pay attention to. Um, I would also like to talk a little bit about, uh, chain, trailer chains. Um, it's gonna, it's gonna end up being a big issue here, uh, as time goes on and things get drier and drier and our roads aren't, aren't getting any better. So there's, there's chunks that have been taken out of the roadway. So, um, the actual education on it is one link past jackknife. So the idea is, is you jackknife the trailer in your driveway before you leave, and you add one link to the, side, the long side, then you jackknife the trailer the other way, and you add one link to that. That is all the links that you need to keep your trailer behind you and safe. Any other link actually defeats the purpose. If it comes off the trailer ball, the links cannot handle the load. By the time it hits the ground, it breaks the links, and your trailer ends up going shooting into the other lane And, and anyways. So, so this is the education that we need to think about and go and look at your trailer chains right now. Um, also, the, uh, the jack foot on your trailer... If it can be 
put in the horizontal position, it should be. If it can't be put in the horizontal position and locked, then um, it should be bungeed so that the mechanical winder will not allow that jack foot to lower as you're bouncing along our roads. And don't forget your tongue weight. Your tongue weight is a critical space between the vehicle that's towing and the tongue. That can be loaded, uh, can change when you add a load, like when you go to the hardware store and you add a load, that tongue weight can become more, which creates a lot of bounce, which can create a lot of spark. Oh, and these are really, you know, I, I have several trailers that I haul with my big equipment, and these are excellent points. I did actually, all the years I've been hauling trailers, I didn't know about the one link, but I always make sure that that's happening. Hey, thanks for all those really, really great um, tips, because this is it, folks. We live rural. We have dirt roads. We need to be super conscious of what's going on around us and super prepared. So thanks for that call. Thank you. Have a good day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's that's true. We are we are the ones that take care of ourselves and make sure it doesn't happen. I still say fire extinguishers where you can. The other interesting thing is I know several of us live on dirt roads. Maybe not everybody that's listening, but one of the things I've seen at the Greenfield Ranch is uh, periodically along the dirt road they have a 55 gallon you know those plastic buckets or rubber buckets full of water with a little bucket on the side. Um, drums. That's what they are so you can actually if something's right on the side of the road which is where most of these fires start um there's water accessible so there you go uh, i've got another caller whoops that one's gone let me see if i can get another caller on caller are you there yeah i'm here hey good what's up are you there hey uh thanks for the show i just wanted to say that we all need to stick together and stay positive on this in this county or everywhere you know the drought there's way more people now and uh than there was say back in the 70s when we had a drought like this i remember albion and the whole mendocino was bone dry for a couple of years i think it was in the late 70s and we got 76 it. now, there's way, now there's way more people and yeah. we just have to remember what um smoky says only you can prevent forest fires <laughs> <laughs> and that's so true, and that's what's happening. We've had three fires down here in the Hopland area last year, and they were all because of uh, people in metal and, and starting the fires. It wasn't, you know, the storms or anything else, or it was just uh, people. So remember what Smokey says. Have a good day. Thanks so much. That's really great. That's a good one. Yeah, it's true. We do. <laughs> we start our ourselves. So anyway, uh, and the drought was 76-77. That's when I came, first came to Mendocino County. It was uh, 73 degrees in uh, December, and I said, wow. There you go. All right, Colin, right, you're Paul. on the air. Are you- oh, good morning. Good morning. Um, interesting topic. With all this this new drought reality, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, and all of the... Um, development that is planned for the Fort Bragg mill site, I am wondering how they're going to find the water to um, supply all of this new development um, that that is planned, and as well as how are motel owners uh, going to find water for their, I mean, the previous caller said the reality has changed since the 70s, and too many people, but at some point, we have to say that the city fathers have to say you know we cannot have more development because we don't have the water so 
It's uh, you know what this is an interesting topic because what happened I just saw a report yesterday at down uh, out east of San Francisco or Oakland I can't remember where it is out there one of the uh, areas that they just approved a hundred and twelve hundred or a hundred and twelve units a subdivision out there and the county fought it and fought it and or the mm-hmm. ro- locals fought it because of where you're going to get the water. So they put the burden on the developer to prove water mm-hmm. to support all of that. But yes, this whole drought situation is bringing up infrastructure issues and it's bringing up development issues big. Yes. It is. Yeah. Time to think so, about it. And I, yes. I will say one of the good things about this is one of the discussions that happened yesterday with the Board of Supervisors is they totally get the drought and what's happening because they, they're living it with us. Um, and they have talked about treating the drought and all this environmental stuff that's going on like we did COVID with the pandemic, mm-hmm. getting on a faster time frame, start, you know, um, strategizing and looking ahead and really seriously taking it on as, and as an epidemic, as, as something that's really mm-hmm. an emergency situation. So they have amped this up into an emergency situation, which is about time. Yes. I mean, so rest- restricting go. development is, is essential. Now, often the developers have the money, and money talks, et cetera, greases the wheels. But at some point, we have to look at the community good, the common good, not the, uh, not the developer's benefit. And very often, these developers don't even live here. Um, in the Fort Bragg mill site case, some of them do, of course, but there's still development equals money, profit for somebody. Um, and then the other point is, uh, what about desalinization? I mean, we have this huge area out there. We've got unlimited amount of salt water. Um, as far as looking into the future, because humans very often don't don't get into emergency mode until it's too late. So let's maybe look into the future and think about a desalinization plant out there on the headlands. Actually, Fort Bragg City Council had looked at a small unit or mm-hmm. something, but I think the bigger units, I don't know if how efficient they mm-hmm. are. That's a whole other topic that I haven't even delved into. But thank you for all mm-hmm. those points. Sure. Yeah, yeah. that was great. Um, all right. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Yes. All right, we're going to get another caller on because that was it, the generator. Yeah, so the uh, supervisors are really looking at this. They're going to try to find state money, which is a good thing now. Uh, just to throw it in line, you know, the state is looking for shovel-ready projects. It looks like Fort Bragg may be expanding storage, and part of this whole moving water around thing may fit into that, so the burden, we may get some state money. But again... Getting state money, managing it locally is a whole nother issue. All right, let me see if I can get a caller on the air. Good morning, caller. You're on the air? Okay, going to try it again. All right, uh, let's see if this one works. Caller, you're on the air? Are you there? Are you there? Yes, I am. Uh, Thank you so much for taking my call. Great program. I love learning things when I listen to the radio. It's just amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Let's see, one other suggestion uh, regarding mowing is, if you have to be out there mowing, and some people are still going to do it, is don't uh, push your mower or, or mow for 100 feet and then turn around and come back, but 
go in small segments and kind of trace your tracks where you were like if you mowed for 20 or 30 feet turn around and come back and mow another way that way you can be your own fire watch if you ha- if you can water down an area i love that uh, where the firefighters say to make sure your mower wheels are wet um, it, indeed it is getting a little bit late to be using a mower um, the other suggestion i'm really glad to hear the cause of the broiler fire I would really love it if the media uh, could use their news broadcast to uh, to inform the public on what the cause of all these fires were. Oftentimes that's really sort of hidden or for some reason forgotten, but I think we learned when we, uh, I, I'm sure a lot of us learned about this broiler fire just hearing that it was a, a metal mower throwing a spark out too, so it, it makes us extra cautious and we learn something. So I think it'd be really great, especially if KZYX could explain, maybe in the following day, explain what the cause of that fire was. You don't necessarily have to name names or anything like that, but I, it's, it's a great learning curve if, if we can do that. Very good points. And some, I know it takes, sometimes takes them a while to figure out what exactly the fire source was, but yeah, that's a good thing to do. All right. Thank neighbor, you. In fact, the oak fire is not too far from where I was. I, for some reason, I'm still in the dark what caused the oak fire and what we can learn and move on and so that that exact uh, problem doesn't happen again. And there's been lots and lots of fires that I just don't know what the heck caused it other than us humans. So. All right. Yeah. Good points. Uh, you also, I don't, I don't take too much time, but yeah. did you mention something about using the uh, skunk train uh, to transport water with? Yes, they are. They're talking about possibly transferring water from Willits to uh, Fort Bragg through the skunk train and the, and the rail cars. Yeah, I'm just a little bit worried about the infrastructure. There are a lot of old trestles and bridges that I'm sure are uh, way behind on maintenance, too, and the, the addition of water and being able to haul and break and get over all these wooden trestles, uh, that's, that, that kind of needs to be looked at. Also, I think the idea of bagging water is, it, it is something that happens around the world. I don't recall uh, the gentleman wanting to bag water out of the Noyer Harbor. I think that was either Little River or Big River, one of the larger rivers uh, down the coast. Well, it was definitely the Gualala. It was definitely the Gualala, and I do believe it was Navarro, yeah. 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 Anyway, great show. Thank you for uh, putting in your time. Uh, It's uh, wonderful to hear your voice. All right. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Bye. Okay, so let's see if we can get another caller on. Hey, caller, turn down your phone, and you're on. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. An old-timer. And the whole timer said to me, oh, we've been here before, even though uh, I said to that person, well, we had the hottest June in history, in recorded history. But it made me think about storage. Do we have that capability? Because we don't know what the future will bring. Are we prepared to store water when the rains come? Um, you know, this is this has been a topic. I got to tell you, water in Mendocino County. Years ago, when I was on the radio, I talked to the supervisor that was on uh, Scaramella Joe when he uh, was on the board when they gave up the water at Lake Mendocino. Uh, I've gone through board meetings with John Pinches up in the third district, who um, or fourth district, oh, anyway, up north, Laytonville, who tried for years to get a big storage situation up going uh, north out of Willits. Um, 
Uh, Janet Polly. Shout out to Janet Polly for, uh, I don't know how many years now, many, at least 10. She's been working on trying to get the Coyote Dam raised because here's another thing, folks. They're not going to dig out Coyote, the Mendoza, Lake Mendocino, because there are so many toxics and crap underneath that lake bed. They don't even know what's there. They don't want to stir it up and they'd have to haul it to a toxic waste site. Just some more information. So, yeah, storage is a great thing. Um, one of the things that came out the supervisors' meeting is they're going to fast track, uh, take, uh, you don't have to get permits, or they're, they're made an emergency ordinance for getting people 5,000 gallon tanks storage if they want to, to have it hauled in. That's great, folks. I tried to buy a 5,000 gallon tank a month ago, and they told me it was a three month wait. So, storage is a great idea. The other thing about storage is they have these neat uh, galvanized uh, rain uh, tanks where the rain comes on the peak of the tank and it goes in to store it. You store rainwater. We haven't had any rain. So these are great ideas and great suggestions, but we've got to get on it now for the next drought. Sorry about the rant. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry about the rant, but yeah, I mean, it's it's the same way with the tr- the railroad track. We've let it deteriorate to the point where when we do need it in this situation, and dang, wouldn't it be great if we could do it tomorrow, it's probably going to fall apart. Sorry. <laughs> Anything else? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to monopoly. Anything else you'd like to say? No. Oh, sorry about that. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Um yeah, so those are just some of my rants. Those are my personal opinions, having watched this go on for all these years. Uh, we just need to address our infrastructure. Um, let me get another caller on. Good morning, caller. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you. The phones are working today. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. And I think I heard you mention rainwater tanks. Were you just talking about rainwater tanks? I put them out there, but you got to have rain to fill them. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just want to point out, if we did have 40-something inches of rain, um, a 120-square-foot tool shed would save 8,000 gallons of water. So I think, you know, as far as shovel-ready projects, if we could figure out a way to make rainwater tanks cheaper for people, uh, especially here at Fort Bragg, also, I want to say that the desalinization plants, for every two gallons of water you put in, one comes out twice as salty. So there's a huge unanswered, unsolved problem of what do you do with that water. And they're seeing where they implement these desal plants in populated areas, the change in the chemistry of the water right off the coast, which is affecting the ecosystem. So I think with everything, um, changing our consumption is the first place to start. Um, but the solutions are not going to be as simple as we'd like to think. Um, and the idea of a desal plant, although it temporarily solves the water issue, uh, it will compound ecological issues off our coast. So thank you for the show. Yeah, thank you for that extra information. I know it's not a done deal, and I know it's not easy. And it's also costly to, I think, run these plants. They take a lot of electricity, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's yeah, correct. That's you know, we were looking even at home scale um, desal plants. And if everyone was implementing home scale, everyone would be dumping extra salty water somewhere, you know. And so it's really, we got to think about the detail issue. It's not as um, awesome as we'd like to think it is. Well, and see, here, here, here's my mind goes, crazy as I am. Uh, I go out to the ocean to collect salt, uh, sea salt. So you take that, you know, concentrated salt water, you put it out on flats, you dry it, and you got nice organic sea salt. <gasps> All right. 
Okay. Yeah, that's there you great. Go. But if your consumption's you know thirty thousand right. gallons of water, yeah, a year, exactly. Um, yeah, we're gonna have a lot of salt laying around, <laughs> and that's no good for the soil. No. You know, if you're trying to grow food, it's no good for yeah. It's just it's too much. It's very true. That's very true. All right. Thank you for the call. Have a great day. All right. We're gonna get another caller on here. Caller, are you there? Yeah. Hey. Great. What's up? How you doing? Uh-huh. Um, good uh-huh. show. I just wanted to mention a few things. The the guy that called in earlier talking about they wish that they would uh, correctly identify each of the fires as they happened. The turnout fire that happened a few uh, months ago was a controlled burn, and they, they weren't announcing that over the news. They were saying, oh, it's under investigation. And the way I found out was where they get their takeout food, the cow, cow, cow guys when they're fighting a fire. Yeah. I happened to go in there, and the waitresses said to me, oh, it was a controlled burn, they told me. But they weren't putting that over the news. And the other thing is, I hear that the broiler fire was actually caused by Flocana doing the mowing. And Flocana is a concern out of Puerto Rico that runs dispensaries around the country. And they they were the first ones to come into, like, Point Arena and bought the dispensary there. Uh, another thing is, Point Arena City Council needs to be recalled. They just voted to build a breakwater on the shore there at the pier in Point Arena. Did you hear that? They're going to put a breakwater in there. They've piled riprap before on the coastline just to keep it from eroding. And uh, I guess it was, uh, they must have uh, five members on city council. Only one of them voted against it. And uh, all the others voted for it because Richard Shoemaker made a grant for $400,000 through the state, and the city gets a cut of this grant. And um, it's, uh, you know, there goes Shoemaker again, ruining things. All right. So uh, I think. People should be up in arms in Point, Point Arena about putting a breakwater in there. They tried it before, and the sensible people shut them down. And now we have a city council that's just ignoring everything having to do with environmentalism. They let Richie Wasserman uh, put in a, he's going to be putting in a sawmill in the middle of a mountain beaver zone. Coastal Commission rolled over on that and approved it, too. Um, it's it's disturbing. It's really disturbing. These people uh, a decade ago were having to follow all these rules with Coastal Commission and environmentalism, and now it's just being forsaken. For all right. Well, hey, thanks for I'm the mini sure. Point Arena report. Thank you so much for that. Yep. I mean, it's hard. To, it's hard to keep up on all the small uh, towns around here. Thanks so much for doing that. Yeah, I'm surprised the surfers didn't shut it down or, or at least show up at a meeting but you well, know maybe now that they know about it by pot for years and uh there you go so people just kind of don't even pay attention anymore but there's a lot of people who are upset about this and they don't yeah. even know because they don't attend the meetings and everything's on zoom now and uh if you're not on zoom you don't know what's happening well but now they know now they know because now. you've let them know and uh thanks so much all right so anyway, i'm gonna get uh we got that little mini report out but the phones are ringing here i want to get somebody else on adios Yep. Caller, you're with us? Good morning, caller. Are you there? Oops, okay. Let's do that. All right, 895-2448. That was a good little mini pointer reader report. So thank you, Deborah, for doing that. Um, And if you're down there and that is an issue you want to get involved with, now you know about it. This is why we do these kind of shows here. All right, let me keep going here. Good morning, caller. You're with me. Yeah, hi. Hello. Um, I'm calling uh, about your uh, fire extinguishers uh, on the brother fire. Okay. Um, I have one of these. I had a fire at our place once, and I had a, one of those kitty fire extinguishers. Okay. 
people really know, need to know how to use those kitty fire extinguishers because they really don't put out a big fire. <laughs> so people should be aware of that and um, should maybe practice with one of those before they use them. Actually, they've, okay. they've been having, the, some of the fire departments actually have these uh, little clinics where you go and they check your, you know, your fire extinguisher and actually show you how to use them. But I will say what I've been told is you have to be at the bod, the base of it, at the point of the ignition and hit it right there. So thank you for your call. Yeah. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. All right. Um, one of the other things is, I know we're talking about drought and stuff. So there is a drought hotline for Mendocino County. I just want to get that out there. So if, if something, if you need information, you want to report that your well has uh, gone dry, this is the other thing that they're trying to do, and I don't know how we do it, is how do we track what systems, what drainages are impacted, which are really drying up, and all of that. I think it's it's a whole documentation thing. So there's a there's a local county drought hotline. That number is two three four sixty three sixty three. And you can also, if you want information about the drought, you can go to drought at Mendocino County dot org. And there is actually a state website where you can report if your well has gone dry. This is not if you're on a public with system. This is if you've got a well. They're actually trying to document through the state. And it sounds like that's the only documenting uh, place I've heard about. So, the, But our county could go to that site at the state and maybe get some information about our wells. So if you're inclined to do that, that would be mywatersupply.water.ca dot gov if you want to be on the state list of you know wells have gone dry so that's um, i'm going to get one caller in and then i'm going to have to get out of here this is the last call good morning caller you're on the air hello hello are you there are you there yes i am and i've been trying to call this is my fourth time um well, it's I, been a little busy. I, two things my casper runs dry every year my mom lived in casper for 35 years there's three different kinds of wells one that's in bedrock when it dries, it dries. It doesn't refill. One that's uh, connected to an underground water aquifer, where if it runs dry today, t- by tomorrow, it'll be full again because there's an underground river. That's the kind you really, when it's connected to, you know. Yes, indeed. Uh, re- rechargeable. We're by the ocean. We need to continue to research tidal power, energy from the sea. There's no reason why we it cannot be self My mom used to say that the ocean's a pool that'll never run dry. But I want small scale. We can, we're not going to kill the fisheries. You know, we're not going to kill the abalone or the sea. You know, everything has to be done small. Small is beautiful. By E.F. Schumacher was a book that we read many years ago in the 70s. But um, I'm also, water is eight pounds per gallon. Correct. So if you're moving it by the train, oh yeah, that's going to cause so many problems. And it's, you know, the whole thing of self-sufficiency, keep doing things, you know, locally, keeping it within our appetite. And I'm, I'm kind of against all these 5,000-gallon storage tanks. If you get 1,000 people, when the rains come, what about the salmon? What about the, peop- the, the, the rivers? What about the trees and the, you know, the sponges of the earth that collect in their underground water aquifers and then release it gently during the summers? These are all really good points. I know. Everything is connected, and we all have to stay connected. Hey, thanks for the call so much. Those very good points. Uh, uh, Can I say one more thing? Yeah, real quick. 
there's going to be a meeting tomorrow at the Willits um, City Council where they're opening up bids to asphalt, four inches of asphalt on $200,000 for one street. They're trying to asphalt the street, Monroe Street and Alameda okay. Street here that I live so in. So check in, 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 check in no on it from Willits. Hearings, no environmental impact reports. All right. Check we on need it alternatives. I want cobblestone streets where the water can go Ooh, through. I landscaping. Like that. Thank you. Landscape gardening is an alternative to pavement. All right. Thank you. So if people... Anyway, I got to get out of there. So anyway, that's great. I like the idea of that. So yeah, stay in touch. Uh, remember, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And if you can't, if you haven't, get vaccinated. We're still having COVID around here. Um, we need to get everybody vaccinated. Please do that. There's a lot of clinics and everything available. And I'm back in two weeks with the head of Department of Transportation, Howard Dashell. So we will be talking about county roads. Get your questions and comments ready for that. Thanks so much. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.